So it's a wonderful privilege for me to be able to invite Pastor Barry to come and share. I appreciate his love. I appreciate his counsel and his wisdom. Most importantly, I appreciate his fellowship and his friendship. So thank you, Pastor Barry, as you come to open up the word with us this morning. This is turned on. Uh, good morning, everyone. And um, it's a joy to be back with you again. And I look forward to our fellowship together as we've already enjoyed this morning. I think somehow I might just leave that right. <coughs> I've enjoyed having uh, Pastor been with me or I've been with him or he's been with me but we've uh, had a lot of fun together good fun and uh, appreciated uh, the times that we've had together overseas thank you for releasing him and um, it's a joy for my wife and I to be back here again to share with you um, Pastor asked me to speak on something that related to the last words of Jesus on the cross. And uh, I particularly want to share something with you in relation to what is important to me in all of the words that Jesus spoke. We know that uh, in Luke's Gospel, he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Again, he also said, I say unto you, you will be with me in paradise today. Again, we often think, I'm very impressed with the fact that while Jesus was on the cross, he said, look after mum. I thought that was pretty neat. Look after mum. And then again, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I thirst. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And finally, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Now, particularly, I want to talk about this saying or this statement that Jesus made, it is finished. Because it's one of the most important things for we as Christians to understand, truly understand what it means when he said it is finished. Our problem is we don't think it's finished. And we connive and create all kinds of other things that unintentionally deny what he said. Now, I want to read to you just a passage of Scripture because my message is based around this verse or these two verses found in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Although he was a son, he learned obedience 
through what he suffered. That's a strange verse to think that the Son of God had to learn to be obedient. He thought he was always obedient, and he was. But he had to be exposed to all of the elements of living in this world and with people, which brought about its own challenges. And he had to learn to obey. I've often said that the most simplest things in Scripture are the hardest to do. And if we were to talk just on that subject today, obedience, wow, am I obedient? Sometimes. Jesus spoke and said, I do always those things which please the Father. But in every circumstance, in every offense, in every rejection, in every ridicule, in every persecution, in every circumstance, he had to learn how to apply obedience in his life in order that he might please the Father. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered and being made perfect. Oh, I thought he was perfect. So what does that mean? And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So it's this concept that I want to talk to you about today is, and being made perfect, he became. Jesus was passionate about fulfilling the purpose for which the Father had sent him into the world. And in Matthew 8, 17, it says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying... Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. This is the reference when they brought all kinds of people who were sick and demon-possessed and so forth, and he healed them all that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Even though this was the fulfillment of a specific prophecy concerning Jesus, at this stage... Jesus was not fulfilled in his mission. And again, we could read in Matthew 12 what uh, he, the Isaiah said, that uh, a bruised reed you shall not break and a smoking flax you shall not quench and so forth. He will declare justice to the Gentiles He will not quarrel or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench, till he sends forth justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles shall trust. Again, the fulfilling of this prophecy about Jesus was not 
the fulfillment of why he had been sent into the world. And as we go through some of the references in the Gospels, where it speaks about, and this was spoken that the prophets, by the prophets, that it might be fulfilled. Every time there's a reference here, we need to understand while Jesus fulfilled certain prophecies, he did not fulfill that for which he came into the world until he was on the cross. And that's what it means, and being made perfect. When Jesus hung on the cross, he cried, it is finished. And for me, this is the most profound of all of his statements because it focused on two things. It is finished and becoming. Finishing something and becoming. It is finished and he became. Did you know that this is the paradox about Christianity? It begins at the end. Seriously. That's not just a cliche, all right? If we were to read the Pauline Revelation in the New Testament, it begins with sitting. It doesn't begin with standing and it doesn't begin with walking. It begins with sitting. Okay, and if I was to give you an illustration of that, it would take me a little longer time, which we won't do this morning. But you see, when Christ said it is finished, that's where we begin. And it's understanding the revelation of what it means that he was not perfect in something until he became. And he couldn't become the author of eternal salvation until he was made perfect. Many, many times Jesus spoke of how he was to complete the Father's will. In John 5, 36, but the witness that really confirms me far exceeds John's witness. It's the work of the Father gave to me to complete. These very tasks as I go about completing them Confirm that the Father, in fact, sent me. In John 17, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work that you gave me to do. In Luke 12, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened until it be accomplished? Or the Amplified says, I have a baptism with which to be baptized and how greatly and sorely I am urged on, impelled, constrained until it be accomplished. Matthew 5:17 Do not think that I came to abolish the law and the prophets. I came not to abolish them but to fulfill them. In each of these verses and many others, we see that there's something forward in the life of Christ that he has not yet arrived at. 
he's sent into the world to do a specific task. And we know that he came into the world to die. He came into the world to save sinners. We understand that. But we need to understand here that Jesus was perfect in his nature and his character. He was perfect in his fulfilling of the law. He was perfect in fulfilling the prophecies written about him, but there was one thing that he was not yet perfect. And it's this which I wanted to draw your attention to because it is so important. He, has, he was not yet perfect in vocation, in the purpose for which he was sent into the world to do. So this brings to us the significance of these words, it is finished, and he became. We could look at this whole thing about Jesus' journey here in this world and in his ministry here on earth and think of this projected end outcome of why he'd come, the fulfilling of why the Father had sent him into the world. So when it says, and being made perfect, it was this process of learning how to obey in all of the things which he encountered here on earth. And in that process of learning, even though he was a son, of course, the implication for us is you and I as sons and daughters, if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for us to learn how to obey, to be obedient. It's not something which we naturally do. It's not the propensity of the Adamic man. We want to do our own thing. We have to acquire how to obey. It's the constant application of a heart that has a desire to follow Christ on a daily basis that projects that follower into a realm of consideration of how I will obey God rather than the circumstances or man's plans. Think of this today in respect to the many, many things that we encounter in the normal course of our daily lives. Good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people. I don't know what kind of a theology you have, but I'm a very practical man. And I know that there have been tragedies in people's lives and all kinds of circumstances that are adverse and testing and trying. There's sorrows, there's offenses, there's hurts, there's abuse, there's all kinds of things. How, as we being sons and daughters of God, how do we learn how to obey? Because it's, this is the process by which Jesus underwent or had to undergo in his arriving at being made perfect. He was perfect in many things except in vocation, in the calling, in the mandate, in the purpose for which the Father had 
sent him into the world to do. I think of this, that when he cried, it is finished. Have you, how did he say that? It's finished? No, I think he said it like this. It is finished. Ah, don't look at me so strange. Seriously, I believe the overwhelming feeling of accomplishment, of fulfillment, of satisfaction. Might even call it egoism. He's arrived. He's fulfilled that for which he was sent into the world to do. It is finished. I don't know why Christianity has, throughout the ages, at different times, has turned away from this truth that it is finished and tried to add to it. If I was to give you a simple lesson, which I may have shared with you before, but it's part of my thinking life, that when God created everything, he sat down. He didn't sit down because of fatigue. He did not sit down because he was worn out. He said, I saw everything that I have made, and behold, it is very good. And he sat down. He rested. When you come to the New Testament, and in Hebrews, it says in Hebrews 2, to which of the angels did God say, sit thou down at my right hand? So here's your question. Was it Gabriel? Was it Michael? Was it one of the other angels? No, it says, this man, Jesus. And what does the Father invite him to do? He invites him to sit down at his right hand, because Hebrews 10 says, this man hath made one offering for sins forever and is now sat down at the right hand of God, expecting and waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. And do you know why God invited Jesus to sit down? Because he beheld all the work that he had done on Calvary and said, behold, it's very good. He was satisfied with what he saw because the Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So he invited the son to sit down because of accomplishment, because it had been done. When we come to the second chapter of the book of Ephesians, it says, and you and me, who were dead in trespasses and sins, are made to sit together. He's quickened us together with Christ and made us to sit together with him in heavenly places. So you see, for the Christian, we sit 
we rest in what has already been accomplished. The problem is the unrest and the dissatisfaction in our lives is attributable to the fact that we don't understand that it is finished. That's why I said to you, Christianity begins at the end, not at the beginning. It is finished. What does that mean? How, what are the implications of that cry of Jesus on the cross? It is finished. And then he became. So he was not perfect in vocation until he cried those last words, I have completed the work that my father gave me to do. This is why I was sent into the world. So why would we want to add to that? Why would we not want to appropriate or reach out with our hand of faith and accept the fact that he has made provision for us through his atoning death, through his substitutionary death, through his redemptive work when he died upon the cross? Romans 8 tells us this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? There's something that comes with Jesus. There's a deal, there's a package. If God's done the hard part, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? There's an inheritance. There's something that Jesus produced and created and left behind for us through his redemptive work. And when he cried, it is finished, it means that we need to understand fully the comprehension of that truth, that statement that he said, that there's nothing more to add to it, but we have to learn how to live in the knowledge that he has made complete provision for all of us. So much of our unsatisfied life, our feeling we have not fulfilled or we are not fulfilled, is simply because we have not truly understood the magnitude of these words. It is finished. I wanted to just say to you today, what's the application for this, for us? Do I try to pray more? give more, work more, in order that I might be accepted, in order that I might be received, in order that I might become. Think of that. So many, many Christians who do not understand the truth of this statement of Jesus are ending up having to produce 
something of their efforts in order to arrive at something. Now, we understand that prayer is important. We understand giving is important. We understand serving is important. It all has its relevance, but they're not for the purpose of being accepted. It's not for the purpose of arriving at some particular blessed position with God because it is through the finished work of Calvary that we have been placed in Christ. But of God are you in Christ Jesus, which is made unto you wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. God, through the new birth, placed us in his Son. Yes, he, Christ took up his residence in us, but he actually placed us in Christ. If any man be, a new, be in Christ, it's a brand new person. That's true of you. So he has given us a position. There's something that happened when he cried, it is finished, that keeps us from doing our own things in order to attain to something. It is because of who we are that we do what we do. We don't do what we do to become who we are. You see, the thing about God is, you know, God is good. It's not because he does good things that he's a good God. God is love. That's why he loves. God is good. That's why he is good. But coming to me and to you, I am not the product. I, as a person, my identity, myself, and my worth does not come from my service, my accomplishments, my deeds, my praying. I am who I am by the grace of God. So are you. The trouble is you don't like yourself. That's the difference. We sometimes think, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not praying enough. I'm not giving enough. I'm not serving enough. And all of this is a denial of the fact that he is finished. We start at the end. We start, our beginning is at the end. What Christ has done for us. So the application is seeing that it is finished. What is our next move? What's your next move? What is it that we can avail ourselves of this legacy that he has left us now, this morning? Huh? You're waiting for him to do something more. He sat down. Yes, he did. Because in what he did at Calvary, he made provision for many of the things that would need or satisfy our needs and deal with the issues of life that we face. What is it that you could avail yourself of this morning in the legacy, in the inheritance that He left us. What do you need today that is included in the finished work? I will finish this morning with one of my verses, favorite verses from the Song of Solomon, and then in the book of Galatians. And simply it says this. 
as the apple tree is above all the other trees, so is my beloved amongst the sons of men. And I sat down under the shade of his tree and his fruit was pleasant to my taste. Where do you sit? If I come to the book of Galatians, it says that he, Christ, was made a curse for us that we might be free from the curse of the law. For it is written, cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. So the analogy I want to share with you to finish today is this. Where do I sit every day? I sit under the shade of this tree, Calvary's tree, and I allow all of that tree. You know, where does shade come from? It's the interaction with an object and the sun. That's what creates the shade. And so every day I'm influenced by the redemptive and atoning and substitutionary work of Jesus Christ on that tree. It influences the way that I think. It influences the way that I respond to circumstances, to people, to situations. It affects my speech. It affects my prayer life, what I say. Think of your prayer life. A lot of our prayers are for something rather than someone. Our prayer life is very much centered around our shopping list. Ask. Yet Jesus taught us how to pray and it begins with exaltation of the Father and the kingdom. Shopping list comes after it. Give us this day our daily bread. See, how do I value? How do I look upon Calvary and what Jesus did for me? How does it affect me as I sit under the shade of that tree and the influence of its fruit and its comfort and its shade from the heat of day? It influences the way that I think and move and speak. And of course, it influences the way that I share Christ with people. It is finished. He, being made perfect, when he cried, it is finished. Such a sense of heavenly joy and satisfaction and accomplishment of fulfillment overwhelmed Jesus Christ in the midst of his pain and his sorrow. It's over. And that's where we begin our life as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, must incorporate all the benefits and the legacy and the inheritance of what he did when he died for us. What is it today that you could claim that is rightfully yours? 
It's in his covenant. It's in his last will and testament. And the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he's the executor of his own will. He rose again to make sure you get what's written in the book. Yeah. Wow. He's going to make sure that you have equity. A fair go. A fair deal. Think of that. Do you know what's written in his will? That's the thing that envelops our thinking and our heart and creates in us appreciation and gratitude and thankfulness on a daily basis, not just occasionally. I sat under the shade of his tree and his fruit, the fruit of Calvary was pleasant to my taste. Oh, that was nice fruit. You see, that's what we're trying to say to you today. And having been made perfect, he became. Father, help us to at least grasp something of the truth of this which you have given to us in Scripture. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the wonderful work of Calvary and all that you have done through the redemptive, atoning and substitutionary work of Jesus Christ. We can often say with a thankful heart, Christ died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Bless you. Um, in a moment, we're going to head to morning tea in the back hall. You want a few to join. We're just going to close with a song. And uh, before we do that, though, uh, we might um, just pray for Pastor Barry and Rosalie Silverback. It's so wonderful to have them here sharing uh, from the depths of their walk with Christ and their love for him. So I pray that you've been encouraged with that word of the Lord. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we thank you, Lord, that you take us and that, Lord, you freely give us everything that was earned upon the cross. Lord, we are so grateful that we can hear your word, that we can be encouraged, Lord. Help us to act upon it. Lord, help us to remember those who serve and who preach and who encourage. Lord, I pray for Pastor Barry and Rosalie Silverback. Lord, everything that they put their hand to, Lord, let it be victory, Lord. Let it be, uh, Lord, investment. Let it be successful, Lord, because you said it is finished. So whatever it is, Lord, that Pastor Barry and Rosalie lay claim to, Lord, from your legacy and your inheritance, Lord, so let it be. Lord, we thank you that we can receive from them your word. Bless them, Lord, be their shield and be their portion, be their strength. Lord, may your joy overflow in their lives. Lord, we thank you that they have come to us this day. Amen.